This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Hello and welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed by the, our program today. My name is Warren and today we are going to share hope. Uh, it's a festive season and at this particular time of the year we think about Jesus um, who was born on the 25th of, of December and we commemorate Every year, uh, his birth on that day. In fact, most of the world actually has a holiday. Now, if you look at the word holiday, you might realize that the word holiday actually means, if you actually look at it, it should be pronounced holy day. And, and that's where it comes from. Our holidays are actually all holy days. And if you go to some Christian nations, uh, the Philippines is one of them, where almost all of their holidays are based on holy days. Holy days. And and so that's where the word holiday comes from. It actually should be pronounced holy day. And a number of even our holidays or holy days are based on Christianity. Christmas Day, we think of Easter, uh, when we remember the death of Christ. Uh, but to but in this season we remember the birth of Christ. And uh, we're going to actually have a little bit of a look at that today. Um, now, remember, friends, we have free giveaways, and the two books that I'm going to read from today, Steps to Christ, uh, and also the book The Desire of Ages, we're going to we give those books away free to anyone that wants one. And if you just contact us, we'd be happy to do that. Now, you can do that in a number of ways. One, you can contact the station. Uh, two, you can contact us by email, and the email address is triple nine amazing grace at gmail dot com. That's nine 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 amazing grace, and amazing grace is only one G at gmail dot com. Or you could text or call us on o two seven two two nine six six two four. That's 027-229-6624. And uh, if you contact us, we'd be happy to post that out to you. Now, if you'd like us to pray for you or a family member or a friend, we'd be happy to do that either on air or off air. All right, friends, let's uh, start today's program with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that at this time of the year we can remember the birth of Jesus, uh, your son, and we just pray, Lord, that um, what a blessing it is to remember such a wonderful, loving person. And uh, Father, we thank you that that he, and the Bible says, that he didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. And we thank you, Lord, that you sent your son into this world to save us. Anyone who is willing to accept Jesus Christ as their friend, Savior, and Lord. And so today I just pray for our listeners and their families. May you bless them, Lord. Um, I pray for I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, um, I'm just going to go to the the book of uh, Luke in the Bible, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, and the fourth book in the New Testament. And I'm just going to read in chapter 2, verses 1, I think, to verse 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augusta, 
Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. Now there were some in the country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with angel, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at, the th- at those things which had been told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So why do we, why do we keep Christmas Day? We celebrate Christmas Day because we remember the birth of Jesus Christ, the most important, the most important birth in this world, because his birth gives hope to all of us, that while yet we are sinners, we can be forgiven while we accept Jesus Christ um, and the beautiful gospel, the beautiful gospel that God has given us, his son, and through his son, we can have eternal life. You know, I think of my, probably has to be my favorite Bible verse, Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And now I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. You see, friends, through the birth of Jesus, we have hope for tomorrow. So no matter what's going on in this world, and there's lots of bad things going on in this world at the moment, no matter what's going on, we know that through Jesus Christ that we can have hope for tomorrow. We know that Jesus will return soon because the Bible tells us so. Um, And when he returns, if he is our friend and saviour, the Lord of our life, then we have hope of eternal life, that this world is not the end, but just the beginning. And so each year we remember Christmas Day, the holy day, the holiday. And so I just encourage you that uh, at Christmas, that during your time with family, that you do something or say something to remember the fact that Christ was born on this day.
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. All right, we just have a short health tip of the week, and this is just to do really primarily with Christmas Day or any other day that you were celebrating with your family. And, you know, usually what happens is we we have lots of food and probably we eat just a little bit too much. But one of the good things that we can make a habit or a tradition even sometimes is I remember many years ago our family used to have a tradition of always playing golf, uh, playing nine holes on a Christmas um, after lunch. We'd, we'd go and play golf and then we'd come back and eat some more a little later on. And um, I, I suggest that you do some exercise. You go for a walk. Um, or do something. Maybe you don't like sport. Well, take the family for a walk. Go into nature. But do something and get some exercise. Um, and also drink some water. Uh, get some sunlight. Obviously, don't get sunburned. But you know, just getting outside and doing something um, it will actually really help. Otherwise, what happens is if you you eat and then you just lay around and you perhaps fall asleep or you watch you're watching a movie or you fall asleep watching a movie and then next thing mum says um, time for dinner and everyone still feels a bit stodgy from from the the lunch but you know you force a lot more food down but if you get up and you get it get outside and you do something you do some something physical do something that's fun for you something you enjoy maybe you play with a dog or you know, you go for a horse ride, or you, whatever it is, just whatever you enjoy doing that's exercise. Get out there, um, usually on Christmas Day or any other day where you're meeting and you're having multiple um, meals. Get out there and do some exercise, and you'll feel much better. And um, that night when you're trying to sleep, you won't wake up feeling all full and groggy. So that's our health, health tip of the week.
You're listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio to continue to focus on Jesus. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Revelation 12.10 Satan's charge that God could not be just and at the same time forgive sinners was answered at the cross. Another charge that the enemy leveled against God was that even if sinners could be forgiven, God's law could not be kept. He accused God of making a law that was impossible to obey. This charge is specifically stated. Satan claimed that it was impossible for man to obey God's commandments. Let's not forget who it is who makes this claim. This is Satan's claim. This is his charge, and anyone else who claims that it is impossible for man to obey God's commandments is simply echoing Satan's original charge. It is true that our own strength that we are not able to obey, but Christ came in the form of humanity, and by his perfect obedience he proved that humanity and divinity combined can obey every one of God's precepts. When a soul receives Christ, he receives power to live the life of Christ. Since Calvary, Satan's charge that mankind cannot obey God's commandments has become a major issue in the judgment of God. This issue was, wasn't completely answered by Jesus' life. It is a charge that has to be answered by God's people as well. And right here is a problem area in the popular Christian world. It has always been much the same. If people hear about the finished work of Christ and how our salvation is certain because of the cross, they will say amen and praise the Lord. But when they hear about God's power to overcome sins, about victory and obedience, they get strangely quiet. Many people are frightened about the possibility of overcoming. For some reason, there seems to be a fear that grips people concerning victory and obedience. It is becoming an unpopular topic even within Christianity, and this trend ought to say something to us. It ought to say something to the people who have a special mission, a mission that goes beyond the Luther and the Reformers. We have a unique contribution to make to the religious world, and... The obedience through faith is a significant part of it. We can still have a part to play in honouring God's name before the world. You see, we can only only obey by faith through the strength of Christ. As I said before earlier, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And I now live by the faith in the Son of God. So my faith is not in myself, my faith is in Christ. Because how do I, why should my faith be in him? Because he loved me and gave himself for me. He paid the penalty so that I might live, that I may have eternal life, that I may have victory over all sins. Remember, in my own strength I can do nothing, but through Christ I can do all things, the Bible says. And that's a wonderful, wonderful promise. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Okay, welcome back to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. And... uh, Our focus is Jesus today. As we've said, it's Christmas Day coming up, and it's the festive season. We remember his birth, but we also remember that because of Jesus, we have hope. We have a future. Today, we're going to continue reading from the book Steps to Jesus, and we're going to read from this chapter entitled Repentance. It's actually not a subject that most people like to know too much about, but it's a very important subject because before Jesus came uh, the first time, John the Baptist was was called to share this message of repentance. And before Jesus comes the second time, God's people are called to 
share this message of repentance again. And so we're going to look at an aspect of repentance today. Every right desire comes from Christ. He is the only one who can make us hate sin. Every time we feel a desire for truth and purity, every time we see our own sinfulness, we can know that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Jesus said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. Christ must be shown to the sinners as the Savior who died for the sins of the world. And as we see the Son of God on the cross of Calvary, we begin to understand God's plan to save us. Then the goodness of God leads us to repentance. When Christ died for our sins, he showed a love too great for us to understand. But as we see this love, it touches our hearts and affects our minds, and we become sorry for our sin. Sometimes sinners feel ashamed of their sinful ways and give up some of their bad habits. They do this even though they do not know that they are being drawn to Christ. But whenever they try to change their ways because they have a sincere desire to do right, it is Christ's power that is moving them. His Spirit is influencing their minds and helping them to live better lives. As Christ draws sinners to look at his cross and to see that their sons cause this to see their sins caused him to die, their consciences are troubled. Then they see how terrible their sins are. They begin to understand something of the righteousness of Christ. They cry out, What is sin? Why did Christ have to die? Was all this love and suffering demanded to save our lives? Did he suffer all this so that we could have everlasting life? The sinner may resist God's love and refuse to be drawn to Christ, but if he does not resist, he will be drawn to him. He will learn about God's plan to save sinners. He will come to the cross and repent of the sins that caused the suffering of God's dear Son. The same God who controls nature speaks to the hearts of people. He gives them a great desire for something that they do not have. The things of the world cannot satisfy this desire. God is telling people to find the grace of Christ and the joy of holiness. These alone can bring peace and rest. Our Savior is trying all the time to draw people's minds away from the worldly pleasures to the wonderful blessings that Christ can give. To these people who are trying to find water, In the dry wells of this world, he says, Come, whoever is thirsty, accept the water of life as a gift. Whoever wants it. Revelation 22 and verse 17. If you have a desire for something better than the world can give you, this is God speaking to you. Ask him to give you repentance and show you Christ in his infinite love and perfect purity. The Saviour's life makes plain the law of God is based on love and to God and other people. To be unselfish, loving, kind was Jesus lived that's what he lived for. So as we look at our Saviour and light from him falls on us, we see how sinful we really are. We may feel, as Nicodemus did, that our lives are good and that we may not need to humble ourselves before God like a common sinner. But when the light from Christ shines into our hearts, we see that we are not pure. We see that we are enemies of God and that every act of life is selfish. When we see his righteousness, we shall know that even our best actions are filthy though through and through, as it says in Isaiah 64, verse 6. Only Christ's sacrifice can take away our sins and make us clean. Only Christ can change our lives until we are like him. One ray of light from God's glory shows every spot and weakness in our character. One briefly brief view view of the purity of Christ makes our lives look unclean. It shows plainly that we have evil desires, unfaithful hearts, and impure speech. We see that we are not obeying God's law. 
as the Spirit of God reaches our hearts, we feel unhappy about ourselves. We look at Christ's spotless character and we hate our evil ways. The prophet Daniel was visited by an angel from heaven. Glory shone about the angel and Daniel was overcome as he thought of his own weakness and lack of perfection. He wrote, I had no strength left and my face was so changed that no one could have recognized me. Daniel 10.8 Any person who sees this glory from heaven will hate his own selfishness and self-love. He will search for purity of heart through Christ's righteousness. He will want to keep God's law and have a Christ-like character. Paul wrote of his own righteousness. As far as a person can be righteous by obeying the commandments of the law, I was without fault. Philippians 3.6 When he noted just the words of the law, then we look at his life. He could see no fault in himself, but when he looked at the deep meaning of the law, he saw himself as God saw him. He bowed down and confessed his guilt. Paul wrote, That is why I felt fine so long as I did not understand what the law really demanded. But when I learnt the truth, I I realized that I had broken the law and was a sinner, doomed to die, Romans 7 verse 9. When Paul saw how holy the law was, sin looked terrible. He no longer felt proud but humble. God does not look at all sinners as equally bad. To him, as to us, some sins are worse than others. But even if some wrong acts appear small to us, no Sin seems small to God. Human judgment is often wrong, but God sees things as they really are. People dislike a drunk person and say his sin will keep him out of heaven. But often these same people say nothing against pride, selfishness and greed. Yet these are sins that are especially offend... Mm. That... But these are often the same people who say nothing against pride and selfishness and greed. Yet these are the sins that are especially offending God because they are so different from his loving character. Unselfish love fills every heart in heaven. A person who makes a big mistake and sins may feel ashamed. He may feel that he needs the grace of God, but a proud person feels no need. So he closes his heart against Christ and the wonderful blessing he came to give. Jesus once told a story about a tax collector. God, have pity on me, a sinner. He thought of himself as a wicked man, and other people looked upon him in the same way. But he felt his need of a saviour and came to God with his load of sin and shame. He He asked for God's mercy. His heart was open, the Spirit of God to come in and to set him free from the power of sin. Then Jesus told about a Pharisee who thanked God that he was not like other men. The Pharisee's prayer showed that his heart was closed against the Spirit of God because he was a long way from God. He did not see how sinful he was. He did not compare his life with God's holiness. He felt no need and received nothing. If we see that we are sinful, we must not wait to make ourselves better. We must not think that we are not good enough to come to Christ. Can we expect to become better by just trying or in our own strength? Can people change the color of their skin or a leopard remove his spots? If they could, then you that do nothing but evil would learn to do what is right. Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. God is the only one who can help us. We must not wait for someone to beg us to change or for a better chance or until we gain control of a bad temper. We can do nothing of ourselves. We must come to Christ just as we are.
Every day they pass me by I can see it in their eyes Empty people filled with care Headed who knows where Listening to Amazing Grace here on Manawatu People's Radio. And as we come to our last segment, we're looking again at Jesus, his life lived out. Uh, we're looking at who is the greatest, um, a chapter of the desire of ages. Though he was clothed with divinity, with humanity, in this miracle he revealed his glory. It was evident that this was he who through David had declared, Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the whole world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Psalms fifty ten to 12 
While Jesus made it plain that he was under no obligation to pay the tribute, he entered into no controversy with the Jews in regard to the matter. For they would have misinterpreted his words and turned them against him, lest he should give offence by withholding the tribute. He did that which he could not justly do. Uh, sorry, that he could not justly be required to do. This lesson would be of great value to his disciples. Mark changes were soon to take place in their relation to the temple service, and Christ taught them not to place themselves needlessly in antagonism to established order. So far as possible, they were to avoid giving occasion for misinterpretation of their faith. While Christians are never to sacrifice one principle of truth, they should avoid a controversy wherever possible to do so. When Christ and the disciples were alone in the house, while Peter was gone to the sea, Jesus called the others to him and asked, What was it that you were disputed among yourselves by the way? The presence of Jesus and his question put the matter in an entirely different light from which in which they had appeared to them while they were contending. By the way, shame and self-condemnation kept them silent. Jesus had told them that he was to die for their sake and their selfish ambition was in painful contrast to his unselfish love. When Jesus told them that he was to be put to death and to rise again, he was trying to draw them into com- conversation in regard to the great test of their faith. Had they, been, had they been ready to receive what he desired to make known to them, they would have they would have been saved bitter anguish and despair. His words would have brought about consolation in the hour of bereavement and disappointment. But although he had spoken so plainly of what awaited him, his mention of the fact that he was about to be set up this had led to the questioning as to who should fill the the highest offices. On Peter's return from the sea, the disciples told of the Saviour's question, and at last one ventured to ask Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of of heaven? The Saviour gathered his disciples about him and said to them, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and the servant of all. There was in these words a a solemnity and impressiveness which the disciples were far from comprehending. That which Christ discerned they could not see. They did not understand the nature of Christ's kingdom, and this ignorance was the apparent cause of their contention. But the real cause lay deeper. By explaining the nature of the kingdom, Christ might for the time have quelled their strife, but this would not have touched the underlying cause. Even after they had received the fullest knowledge, any question of precedent might be renewed the trouble. Thus disaster would have been brought to the church after Christ's departure. The strife for the highest place was an outworking of the same spirit which had the beginning of the controversy in the worlds above and which had brought Christ from heaven to die. Those, sorry, there rose up before him a vision of Lucifer, the son of the morning, in the glory surpassing all the angels that surrounded the throne and united in closest ties to the Son of God. Lucifer had said, I will be like the Most High, Isaiah 14, 12 and 14, and the desire for self-exaltation had brought strife in the heavenly courts and had banished a multitude of of the hosts of God. Had Lucifer really desired to be like the Most High, he would never have deserted his appointed place in heaven, for the Spirit of the Most High is manifested in the unselfish ministry. He sought for himself the highest place, and every being who is actuated by his Spirit will do the same. Thus alienation, discord, and strife will be inevitable. Dominion becomes the prize of the strongest. The kingdom of Satan is the kingdom of force. 
Every individual regards every other as an obstacle in the way of his own advancement or a stepping stone on which he himself may climb onto a higher place. While Lucifer counted it to be counted it a thing to be grasped to be equal with God, Christ the exalted one made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, Philippians 2, 7 and 8. Now the cross was just before him, and his own disciples were so filled with self-seeking, the very principle of Satan's kingdom, that they could not enter into sympathy with their Lord or even understand him. He spoke in humiliation. Very tenderly, yet with solemn emphasis, Jesus tried to correct the evil. He showed what is the principle that bears sway in the kingdom of heaven and in what true greatness consists as estimated of the standard of the courts above. Those who were actuated by pride and the love of distinction were thinking of themselves and of the rewards they were to have, rather than how they were to render back to God the gifts that he had received, there would be they they would have no place in the kingdom of heaven, for they they identified with the ranks of Satan. Before honor is humility. To fill a high place before men, heaven chooses the worker who is like John the Baptist, takes a lowly place before God. The most childlike disciple is the most efficient in labor for God. The heavenly intelligences can cooperate with him who is seeking not to exalt self but to save souls. He who feels most deeply his need of divine aid will plead for it and the Holy Spirit will give unto him glimpses of Jesus that will strengthen and uplift the soul. But when men exalt themselves feeling that they are a necessity for the success of God's great plan, the Lord causes them to be set aside It is made evident that the Lord is not dependent upon them. The work does not stop because of their removal from it, but goes forward with with greater power. It was not enough for the disciples of Jesus to be instructed as to the nature of his kingdom. What they needed was a change of heart that would bring them into harmony with its principles. Calling a little child to him, Jesus set him in in the midst of them, then tenderly folding The little one in his arms, he said, except you be converted and become as a little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. The simplicity, the self-forgetfulness, and the confiding love of a little child are the attributes that heaven values. These are the characteristics of real greatness. And, you know, there's so much difference between the um, spiritual kingdom and the physical kingdom. You know, we all live in the physical king, this physical kingdom because we don't have a choice at this point. But the fact is we can still live in the spiritual kingdom. Um, there was a famous Christian that entitled it the upside-down kingdom. To rise, we have to go down. To have victory, we must surrender. In fact, everything about God's spiritual kingdom is the opposite of this worldly kingdom. And so if you want to be part of God's kingdom, you must humble yourself and then at the right time, God will lift you up. But if you lift yourself up, God will bring you low. Because you see, if we think we can do anything of our own strength and power, we leave no room for the Spirit of God to work in our lives. And we can do nothing... Remember, we can do nothing without Christ, but with Christ we can do all things. And really the answer is simple. Is Christ dwelling in the heart by faith? Is Christ living in the life through the power of the Holy Spirit? And um, that's a question um, that needs to be answered by us as individuals. And so I pray that you would answer that question because only you can answer that question. You see, the closer you come to Christ, the worse you look in your own eyes because his light is shining into your life and you look like, well, you see, you would think it would be the other way around. 
the closer we come to Christ, the better we become. Well, that may be true to some degree, but not in our own eyes. And that's why Paul could say that he was the chief of sinners. The light of Christ was so shining into his life that he could see every speck and every bit of dirt that was in his life. And he saw him as he really truly was. But a person that is a long way from God, they think they're pretty good. Oh yeah, actually, I'm actually a pretty good person. I'm not too bad at all. But the truth is, the closer we come to Christ, the worse we look. The further away from Christ we are, the better we look. And that's just how it is in the upside-down kingdom, which is God's spiritual kingdom. Pray you've been blessed um, today by this book, Steps to Jesus, and that wonderful book, The Desire of Ages. All right, friends, we've we've come to the end of our time, uh, unfortunately, and we're just going to finish with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom where we surrender and humble ourselves before you, and you lift us up. Father, when we do that, we know that we will be used of by heaven to save souls, to help other people on the journey that we're on. Father, there is nothing, no good thing, and all of our all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, as it says in Isaiah. We can do no good thing without you, but with you we can do all good things. So, Father, what we need to do is to get with Jesus. And as we remember him at this time of the year, I just pray that our listeners will commit their lives to Jesus and they will walk with him now And for eternity is my prayer for each person listening today, for I ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. All right, friends, um, we we wish you um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and pray that you have a great time with your family, remembering that this holiday is about the birth of Jesus that brings so much hope and peace into this world. So from all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.